Off the Ball with BetDuck.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team. All right, you're very welcome back. Brian, just goes with us. How are you? Very good, very good. I lost my voice last week. It's just coming back today. You and me both. <laughs> uh, Dave is still here. Dave, how are you? Hey, lads. We should, we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened in Chicago, Dave. All right. Yeah. Well, well some, send Tommy in, back out to the office floor for me and give me a shout when you're good to go. Everyone talk about was some there, rugby. Though. Everyone was there. No, yeah. clearly not, Brian. It did clearly feel like not. everybody was it there. It did, it yeah. did. It felt like Ireland moved. And then, it was, I think it was all the expats over there too and people made the point of kind of having reunions over there yeah. so it was lots of, you end up bumping into people that you hadn't seen for a number of years yeah it was great yeah <laughs> it was good times it was, <laughs> it was, there was a giddiness about the whole city there really was there was this kind of sense of like uh, Chicago's aflame with happiness yeah, we, cou- we couldn't have picked a better week though with the Cubs too on the Wednesday I came in Thursday and, and then we had the parade on, on the Friday so yeah. the whole city was in great form and then you know um we had Saturday and you couldn't have asked for a better day and I was just glad to be home in one piece on Sunday. <laughs> kind of. I'm still not sure if I am in one piece. The um, the actual game itself, have you rewatched it? Have you? Cause I couldn't take in any of it during the whole game. I had no sense of, I think we're doing really well here. I think this might work out and then it's like, oh no. For me, it just reminded me that the 17 points was, was in my head from last time. I was like, no, not 17 points. <laughs> And uh, I was—I happened to be in a box with uh, Richie McCaw, and they were kind of asking us at half time, asking, saying, asking him, "What would you uh, be saying to the team?" He said, "Don't worry about the score." He says, "All it takes is one try to get back into the game," which is absolutely the case. Yeah. And you see, their their belief is that no matter what happens, they will be—they'll manage to get through against Ireland. Yeah. That's what they've always thought up to this point. I remember talking to someone. Um, who'd retired uh, I think it might have been Brad Thorne and he said no, no matter what they just feel even on their worst day that they'll get by Yeah. Um, and so I think Richie was still thinking that at half time it's like 17 points we've done it before it'll be fine we did Brent Pope the night before the game and he was saying Richie McCall told him after that one Ireland will always give you one chance but they'll always give you one chance and if we take it we'll take it we kind of figure we are going to take it and that was burned into my mind watching the second half we're going to give them one chance we did mm. though yeah he was right. We did give him the one chance and they spilled the ball with a three-on-two overlap down the left-hand side when there were four points between the teams. And that was the game. Trimble made the right decision, came in off his wing, made the hit, and Surveyor couldn't hold on to it. That is the game. They beat us if they make that overlap count. And out of every 50 three-on-twos that New Zealand create, how many of the 50 result in a try? A lot, a lot. Some man to jam in on a tackle is Andrew Trimble. <laughs> <laughs> he made some. Just watched the game again today, just to to try and. I, I was like you. I, I don't think I saw it properly first time round. Um, and I think when you when you get caught up in the emotion of it too, I think you miss things. So watching it a second time, the the amount of decisions that he made correctly, and he was a, even a fraction late on a couple of hit ins. Yeah, but enough pressure to you know to force a pass or spill ball or. Um, just create an element of uncertainty or make sure the pass stuck on the inside shoulder of, of you know the attacking player Sevilla on a couple of occasions and then on top of that we just had this crazy appetite for uh, for our hustle defence and I think it was epitomised by, by Connor Murray he just he is the smartest nine in the world particularly defensively yeah like I, I knew he was playing well <clears throat> you could see that our, a lot of our ball carriers were just kind of making 
three or four yards and getting over the game line and suddenly then there would be a swarm behind them and there was just, there was a sense that the movement was great after the first five minutes because where we were the, that first set off or first all black try kind of came straight towards us and it was it seemed like they went untouched for about 70 yards like oh Jesus yeah be a long old day. yeah well it did feel like that. <laughs> And as well, when you get the little bit of luck off two heads, and then you yeah. still score. I didn't know. Like, it, obviously, it's not a knock on if you head the ball forward. No, no, no. You can't consciously okay. head it forward, but if it comes off your head, okay. Um. So, um. Yeah. So it was a it was a, you know good decision, and then, um. I think they missed the kick of goal, didn't they? Yeah. So five three, and but then you're back in it, and then we got the you know what was really brilliant over the course of the day, and and Johnny had a very good game. Uh, he, he wasn't. Um, the standout performer, but his line kicking was exceptional, and that's what set up so many of our opportunities in in squeezing pressure, either getting three pointers, making them give away penalties, or in actual fact having great success with our uh, with our driving ball as he, well. He seemed hyper aggressive. Like times when in the past he would have settled for kicking the ball to the twenty two, he's kicking it to. He's aiming for the five yard line. Is that like? A, is that just? An, is that? Is that what the team decided to do? Because we've decided that it's much better that we're going to be a mauling team or running from the... But also, are you are you going to kick the All Blacks t- to victory? Probably not. You're going to have to score tries. And maybe they said that before. And I, wasn't, I, I, I didn't ask anyone that. But maybe they thought they needed to score a lot of points because the likelihood is the All Blacks are going to score a lot of points themselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, we even even at halftime, what, what, I can't try to think, was it a... It was a 17-point differential, was it? But we, it even felt as though there wasn't enough. You needed to score another yeah. ten or fifteen. So it's really two scores and a and a penalty, and they can do in a lot of ways what the Dublin footballers do. They can rack up one six two five in the space of ten minutes, and you go from a position of strength to being out the gate, beaten out the gate. Like yeah. after the sixty nine minute when there was four between them, twenty five eight from the thirty fourth minute, and that's a half time score as well. New Zealand yeah. were odds on I, and with I a lot of uh, spreads to win the game at half time at half time yeah. I thought if we scored first in the second half I thought if we got three points that would settle us then that, that might do it but I, I think that was just more hope than anything because I still don't think the 20 points is enough with no. 38 <laughs> minutes to go in a, in a game against New Zealand but then we got a try we got the try and that was huge you get yeah. a seven pointer did they, did they take us for granted? yeah it seemed to me that New Zealand didn't panic early enough that they didn't feel the game was going away from them until it, on Hen, until Henshaw had actually got his try. That there was that feeling, and a lot of us down to self belief and pedigree and present. Look, no matter what happens, we just win these games. Yeah. But maybe they actually didn't panic early enough. Yeah. No one was able to go, lads. This is actually not happening for us yeah, today. But, yeah, but you saw even when they were off color, okay. But they so many of their um, their knock ons and spill ball were as a result of that huge pressure, that yeah. massive line speed. They had a few unforced errors as well that are, are very unlike their skill set. But like I, I would never for a second take any of the positivity and shine away from the from the Irish defence because I think that forced them into into a huge number of, mm. of those mistakes that essentially pass over possession that has the knock on effect for field position and um, and, and Ireland were able to build score, scores off but the back of it Eddie made a point that had occurred to me during the game that all throughout even when they were considerably behind Kieran Reid was so chirpy so smiley whenever he was chatting to the referee he never seemed like a guy who was starting to feel the pressure and at times I was wondering I'm not sure Kieran Reid gets what's going on here this 18 match sequence of victories is really on the rack 
Mm. And he does not look worried enough. Yeah. And the, uh, Liam Tolan's opening piece on Monday was, if when all around you are losing their heads and you are not, you clearly have not understood the seriousness of the situation. That's what I felt watching Kieran Reid. He then, didn't get the hole they were in. But then you made the point about if Trimble doesn't make the tackle, they score the try and win. And so actually they're right. They, they just trust in the yeah, process. Yeah, maybe it? that is just that steadfast. And this is the one yeah, time in 19. Yeah, exactly. Work. It is. <laughs> you know, surely. It was 111 years. You know, <laughs> We got a little bit of luck. We got a small bit of fortune along with our brilliant play about them being off colour. Um, our f- incredible defence, all those pivotal moments of um, Jared Payne's pass out to Zebo for the chip over the top, you know, and the then greatest Murray's. kick chase in Irish rugby history. I, I was just—I watched it again. It was just watching Conor Murray and Robbie Henshaw. They were just their appetite to get there, yeah. And the collision then, and you say, you 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 make your own look. That is that epitomise you make your own look. Yeah. Also, Rob Carney from like a performance, literally one of the greatest performances in his career. And okay, afterwards he was talking to himself about a couple of missed tackles. We can forgive a couple of missed tackles after that day. I have no idea where that performance came from. It was astounding. Yeah, he was. He was. He was beyond being his usual solid self at the back. I think. Yeah, he ran great lines. He obviously He'd ran a brilliant steps. line. Yeah, yeah. that's the, the sidestep inside Aaron Smith off his right leg. I was like, what? I've never seen that. I've never seen it for you know ten years. But it was it set up and and someone that I, I genuinely and and I'll be the first to admit I thought C, CJ Stander was a good player when he came. Um, and I probably didn't get it the same way as you know, all the Munster you know, support base get him, and, and I think now a lot of Ireland do. That was an incredible performance from him. Yeah. His besides the tackle count, which was enormous, he 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 put himself up to a carry ball every single time. I just watched it was him carrying ball off nine, and then Dunica Ryan or or um, Dev Toner in behind him to latch on. But the amount of hard yards he must have been he so so insatiable sore on. appetite. You, but but I I but I I've found that in in the past I've seen him for his ball carrying. It's been brilliant. I'm not known him for his tackle count. And I think to marry the two and still get through all the real dirty work as well, I, it was a sensational performance yet, from him. Maybe his greatest moment was this that really cheeky block on the New Zealand wow. prop forward for the Conor Murray try, I which only saw that I've today. watched it a hundred <laughs> times now. And I just have to laugh to myself every time I see it because that is what McCaw has been doing for the last 15 years making sure you're in the wrong place at the right time and you might get away with it. And if we didn't get away with it at that time, we were still leading the game and it was fine, but it was the winning of the game. And it was just such an audacious, brilliant piece of cheek. And it won us the biggest match. Totally on purpose, seen. yeah. Yeah, he gave a little well, nudge. I don't know. If, I don't think he looked across to see Aaron Smith calling Franks over, but he he was a bit panicky because he felt that they were a bit vulnerable, and and Aaron Smith definitely felt he was going to plug that hole inside, and all it was was a little nudge, and Murray obviously looked at the body shape of Aaron Smith, and he was facing out, and he threw that dummy, and then he was gone, and he's and Frank still got a hand on him. So if he doesn't get any knock, he gets two hands and mm. probably scrags him down. Yeah. Whereas um, he only gets a hand and Murray has enough to get in. And what a great celebration afterwards. Yeah. That's an iconic moment. There was, a, there was a bit in the first half too <clears throat> where Robbie Henshaw goes into a tackle and it looks like he's just going to be mauled by about 15 All Blacks. And you're thinking, Jesus, just bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. But he doesn't. And then somebody else comes in and puts the hands on the ball and the referee goes, no, that's, you've just choked this guy. And it was like... Wow, the strength of Robbie Henshaw, the brain of him not to go down, and the support and belief in your teammates—like that's that's like we've just the game's changed. Yeah, like that was a huge moment as well. There were so many big moments. Um, I thought Aaron Smith was very lucky. 
um, to get away. He went for a little cheap stab at Henshaw on his back after the after the referee had called Maul. I remember seeing it, and Devin Toner pointed it out to the referee. Like I'd have gone bananas if if it was Crum half. It was kind of an uh, impetuous kick of frustration that yeah. it had been a Maul. Like. You can't do that. The World Rugby have literally this afternoon sent around an email saying any of those type of things are actually red cards and, and referees need to be aware of them. Like it was, I, I, you, there weren't enough, the frustration was there weren't enough camera angles. But <laughs> if the ref goes to, you know, and, and shows that angle in itself, like... He's in trouble. I don't know, he is in trouble. He's yeah. in trouble, but listen, it doesn't matter, we won. Yeah, it, it's... Um, it feels like what's happened with the win away in South Africa and this win <clears throat> transforms the landscape because... The win in South Africa was done with a load of players who weren't first choice, some of whom now are very much first choice, uh, possibly as a result of what happened there. But now we have strength and depth in most positions, maybe not nine. Like if Conor Murray goes, obviously the, the gap from Murray to Marmion at the moment, Marmion needs to really step up to, to make sure that there isn't that much. But largely everywhere else, and, and maybe ten, largely everywhere else you kind of feel like, okay, we, we just have numbers now, we can do this, and we can try different things, and we don't have to do the things that we did against New Zealand to win a game. So, like, it's hard not to be incredibly excited about everything that's going on at the moment. Listen, you have to, you have to you know, enjoy the feel-good factor that obviously comes off the wind down in South Africa, but more so what's just happened last weekend. You've got to, um, you've got to look at our, our whole setup. I was reading numbers today, there's scope for Joe Schmidt by the end of the Canada game to use 80 players in his three years. That's a phenomenal number mm. of players. And I think it was John O'Sullivan was saying, you know, that's not playing it safe um, in, a, in any shape or form. And 35 of them as new caps. So that's a huge number of, oh, that's a huge faith that he's putting in, you know, the guys that have come through our academy systems. Yeah. Um, and he, he's clearly trying to grow it as a squad because that's where we fell down in the World Cup. Mm. Our squad essentially wasn't able to match our first 15 or our first 23. And, you know, we, we weren't able to deal with the superpowers of the world, but we have to be able to do that where you've, I think it was Michael Cech has said at first, you've got starters and finishers, not guys that are first choice. And then you have your bench that, you know, will hopefully keep the status quo going. They yeah. want to actually come on and improve the standard of the, of the performance. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first World Cup cycle where we've gone back to back with the coach who's like, oh, I've made mistakes. These are the lessons that I'm going to learn and I'm going to change things around. And it like, it seems like it's such common sense and straightforward stuff, but it was only three or four weeks ago that we finally got confirmation that he was sticking around. Yeah, he, he must have gotten himself a decent contract. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so he should. Absolutely. He's worth every cent that he's getting. You know, if if, if Eddie Jones is getting what, what it's touted that he's on over in the UK... Joe Schmidt is worth every cent that the RFU have paid It him. occurred to me, Jared, that where we are now in comparison to this time 12 months ago, where we were on such a downer after the, the Argentina game in the World Cup, Paulie had torn the hamstring off the bone and we knew we were never going to see him again. Leinster and Munster were both effectively out of Europe at this stage last season and the whole of Irish rugby team was just enveloped in this gloom. And 12 months later, we've beaten the Springboks away for the first time. We've beaten the All Blacks for the first time. Leinster have won their first two or won a match and then gone to France, taken a bonus point. Munster have taken the, the passing of Anthony Foley and turned into this outrageous occasion in Thomond Park. And then we go to Chicago and we beat New Zealand. Like a, The difference a year has made, if you compare where Irish rugby is, albeit without Foley now, it's just like, it's a different world. Yeah, it is. And we're just like way riding this wave of euphoria. Yeah, long may continue. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get the thoughts of Bernard Jackman right after these. All right, you're very welcome back. We've uh, been joined on the line by Bernard Jackman. Bernard, good evening to you. Good evening. 
so what are you, what are your uh, afterglow thoughts of what happened in Chicago? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was incredible. I think speaking to the uh, some of my players and some of the other coaches before the game and, and some French media, um, having looked at the All Blacks in the Rugby Championship, Ireland's game plan was probably the the best game plan or the best uh, way of playing to to try and uh, nullify their strengths. If you look at the Rugby Championship Australia. Uh, I was actually at the match in Auckland, um, their, uh, New Zealand's last game, and New Zealand actually didn't play that well. Made a lot of errors, but they still they still won the game comfortably. And Australia had, had played some great rugby. The Argentinians play, and South Africa are trying to evolve a, a new style of playing, and it kind of feeds into into the All Blacks' hands because of their fitness levels and their ability to hurt you from deep or hurt you on turnover. Um, and that's that's what's made them uh, so outstanding. Whereas Ireland, the way Ireland play, they don't actually give you that much unstructured opportunities to attack and then, you know, Ireland got at their set piece. Uh I think the discipline was incredible, it was less than five penalties and um everybody on the team and the and the bench players all, you know, performed where some of All Backs key players um didn't and, and that's what you gotta do. That's how good the All Backs are. You gotta put nearly a perfect performance together to, to beat them. But it's a it's a huge confidence booster for Ireland. The line-out stats, I think, in the end, even them up, even themselves up a little bit. Like we didn't, we didn't do very well at our own line-out. No, we think. I think the stats were we won ten of twelve, and they won twelve of fifteen. It didn't seem that way. No, it like but it was. The, I, I think as well, it was the quality of the ball. They might have won it, but they weren't mm. getting good possession from it. It might have been knocked down, and they they managed to um, mop it up. But the actual. Um, Silver service platter that that uh, it was disrupted. Um, wasn't that it? Aaron Smith you know, was yeah. ordinarily gets to throw it out in front of Bowden Barrett or or to Seville off the wing. Mm. You just didn't see that, and the knock on effect. You could see the possession. I also think we kicked very smartly, where we kicked out, knowing that their line out wasn't very good. I yeah. think we kicked out more as the game went on, but also our kick contest and then the challenging in the air made a massive difference to reclaiming back more of those fifty fifties. Yeah, the confidence that a team gets when you see somebody like Zebo going getting the ball because the crowd just stands up and goes, "Yeah, they're they are huge moments." It, you, you do you look back on games and and you can pick out three and four moments, but you know, I think it was Ben Smith. Was it Ben Smith that that was stayed on the ground there and he got up, rose up above him, never took his eyes off it, and immediately that momentum that gives you knowing that their team has to pile back behind and cr- immediately get into an organized defensive line when you've got great front football. They're, they're exactly the moments that really get you going. Yeah. Uh, Bernard, what does this mean for the rest of the November internationals? Like, You know, if if we can back this up with the next two games, then suddenly we start to completely think about ourselves in a much different way. It's like, so it's not just a, another great one-off performance. No, I think so. If you listen to Eddie Jones speaking about England, you know, he's very open about we want to be number one team in the world. If Ireland can beat the All Blacks next week... Um, you know when the All Blacks are going to come. You know, not complete. There's no. There's a guarantee that they're not going to be complacent. They're going. They're going through everything else. So if we can confirm that victory uh, by backing it up, when we, you know, we can be really, really comfortable about where we're where we're going and, and start to see ourselves in a in a different light. I think you know, as you said, the, the win in South Africa uh, and in, in the first test, and obviously running them close in in the second and third test was good. But South Africa aren't the the reality are the real the real power that they were they're, they're rebuilding but to beat the All Blacks uh, twice would be would be absolutely massive and you're going to go into a into a Six Nations and, and you know England are the, are, have gone to Australia and won three tests so this looks looks more promising from a Northern Hemisphere point of view than probably it did uh, this time last year like 
are we asking too much? It's so brilliant that we're actually <laughs> talking about winning back-to-back games. But that's conference. You know, rugby, like everything else, is a conference game. Yeah. And does beating them make it less or more likely that we beat them in two weeks? Way more likely, right? Really? Uh, does it all? Does it not put all the All Blacks in such a position that they just cannot countenance losing? In two I think weeks they neutralise one another. Right. You know, them not being able to fathom a second loss, but also our our new belief that, hang on, the first time is always the most difficult. Now, why shouldn't we again? At home this time, mm. properly home. And we're feeling we've got this massive confidence. We've got a brilliant squad. Um, I thought I thought last night, I didn't think we'd win, I, but I thought the spread was a brilliant bet. I had a little look at that. And 23 points. Joe Schmidt team don't lose by 23 points. Yeah. I hope I don't. Yeah, ruin my words. I really don't think we. Uh, I will because I just feel as though, with Andy Farrell's defence now as well, on top of the game plan and and understanding exactly how we're to play the game, I think it's a lovely combination that we're, we've put together. Yeah, talk to us about Andy Farrell's defence there, um, uh, Bernard. Will you? What What are the hallmarks of it? What are you seeing? How does it work? Well, I just see there's an unbelievable uh, work rate and, and um, attention to detail. They, foot, they fill the front line and they demand that. Um, 15 and 9 to work incredibly hard in the backfield and, and um, Rob and Connor covered covered a space uh, brilliantly in fairness it was a massive challenge against the uh, against the All Blacks because you look at Bowden Barrett uh, variety of kicking game um, and if you only have two predominantly in the backfield um, it is going to be tested but Ireland didn't it wasn't a weakness and they were able to actually stop um, the All Blacks getting momentum I think the big challenge is going to be if Italy comes back into the team to play against us I think that Kino um, Ireland controlled the middle of the field and that's something that the All Blacks uh, tend to dominate um, the majority of the time and I just think that um, him going in there because he's able to he's able to play it everywhere he's able to carry the ball to the gain line he's able to give that little little uh, pop on to another forward running at an angle or he's very good at actually being able to suck into the fence and go out the back door whereas they didn't really have that against uh, against us now you know, Ireland's defence looked really comfortable, but that's going to be another challenge for us. Uh, but I think Farrell's had a massive influence in terms of just our defensive, uh, our system, accountability with players, and then just having another winner in the, in the backroom staff, you know, a guy who's massively respected, yeah. um, has played in the biggest occasions, and there's no fear of anybody, you know, and that's, uh, you, the more of those you get in and around your environment, um, you know, the more likely you are going to be successful. I did a thing with Andy Farrell recently where I had to go back and revisit his career and you forget that he was considered to be the greatest rugby league player of all time because the rugby career, he comes to Croke Park and we kill England. He plays such a short time and then he's involved with Stuart Lancaster and, and who knows what influence or, or otherwise he had with the English team that flops at the World Cup. So we're, we're kind of in sport. We're very like, what have you done for me recently? Mm. So maybe we've got incredibly lucky in that we have uh, this brilliant defensive brain working for Ireland when actually he should have a much bigger job in world rugby at the moment, but just because of circumstances, he doesn't. I think the best part of England in the World Cup was um, was their defence. You know, t- save for that, you know, the dodgy enough performance against a good um, Australian team, they they were pretty good, and they've been pretty good in the years that he was with them, yeah. finishing second in the Six Nations three or four times in a row. Um, you know, it, lots of defensive coaches you know, have come from league, and many of them in the past used to be guys that you had to hide in the backfield because they couldn't defend. It was, it was massive irony. This guy was a man of steel a couple of years in a row, maybe three three years in a row. And I spoke to the lads um, after the first camp post-Six Nations when he came in. 
uh, prior to the to the South African tour and the guys that had been on the Lions tour said he just kicked on to another level. His ability to verbalise and, and get people to understand exactly what system and what appetite he expects from you in defence is unrivaled. He, he He's a brilliant man motivator and the passion that he has for defence is akin to Joe's passion for attack and, and flair. And it's just to have another guy of that calibre actually matching Joe's knowledge of the game is so fortuitous and it's brilliant that we've locked him in for even longer than the World Cup um, because he is a class, class coach and a super good guy as well to have in your setup too. He's massively popular. You still see the condition that he keeps himself yeah. in. He's, a, he's, a, he's an inspiration as a person as well as clearly being a brilliant defensive coach. Is he a hard ass behind closed doors because he's like the world's nicest man in person? No, he's not. He's just, you know he's hard. You the really hard guys don't have to tell you yeah, that or show true. you that they're hard. Yeah. You just know it. You can see it. Like <laughs> You bump into him and you know, get into a lift. He's hard. Yeah. So um, he's, yeah, and he, but he's such an unbelievably likable guy as well. He's, you know, he's got good chat and good banter. And, yeah. Um, so you'll have fun for, on, a, on a personal level, but then, you know, there's no messing with him uh, when it comes to his rugby. Uh, Bernard, we talked about um, <clears throat> Michael Checa having closers and, or finishers, starters and finishers. And that was also something that we had. There were a couple of guys who didn't get off the bench in uh, Marmion and Ringworld. And we'll talk about those in a moment. But like uh, Delan comes on and inside his own 22 makes five, six, seven hard yards and the legs pump. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. That's exactly what we needed here because we were, we were pricking around inside around 22. What are you doing? I'll give it to Delan. It's great. <laughs> no, in fairness, probably we haven't had that in the past. Um, those athletes to come off the bench when um, our opposition have been putting them on. And Delan is a he's a special athlete. Just watching that documentary last night, I'm so happy you forgot um, the impact he had off the bench uh, in, in the first test. And I think that's what you need. I mean, the, the, the reality was he was kind of isolated. He should have been eaten up by the by the New Zealand defence. But he's able to get back to the game line and, and create quality ball and. Um, he's destructive on, on, on defence as well. And if you look at you know the team that Joe's picked for tomorrow, you know there's, there's a chance that O'Mahony and O'Brien, you know, are, are two guys, uh, world class players who who potentially were forced away into the squad. I don't know. I'm not sure how, he, how, how Joe would make changes, but uh, we're going to need that. You know, if we're going to beat them back to back, we're going to need um, players coming off the bench who who are going to really close the game out. Yeah. I was delighted for um, Keen Healy because I thought at one stage that we weren't really sure if he was going to get back. Um, I was delighted too for Dunica Ryan because Dunica Ryan basically told me in an interview in time he's got a rubber toe at this point. He kind of straps it up and, and still gets out there and your toes seem to be kind of important in the scrum <laughs> at some stages. So like here they are on the field for one of our greatest ever wins. It's like it's a really, everything just came together. Yeah, listen, you know, I, I think to a man they, they were phenomenal but... Um, Guys that maybe have, you know, particularly someone like Donica Ryan, uh, again, a very popular guy who had a miserable time for probably a year and a half with that injury. God knows how close he was to retiring. For him to then you know, force his way into the national setup again after being you know, told time and time again that it wasn't going to work for him, uh, having been dropped a couple of times, to then find himself in a moment that is going to be celebrated in Irish rugby history forever is very, very special and uh, he's very deserving of it. Yeah, let's talk about um, the, the team that has been picked for the game against Canada. It's uh, Keane Healy, Sean Cronin, <coughs> Finley Bealham, Delan and Holland in the second row and then it's Peter O'Mahony, Sean O'Brien and Jack O'Donoghue in the back row which is unbelievably exciting 
Uh, Kieran Marmion at nine, Paddy Jackson at ten, Keith Earls and Craig Gilroy in the wings, and then it's Luke Marshall. Gary Ringrose makes his full debut, his debut, and uh, Tiernan Halloran at full back. So Gary Ringrose plays thirteen. Um, he's going to have to wait a while. It looks like the centre partnership for Ireland <laughs> might be set in stone. Gary Ringrose could score five tries this weekend, and, and they won't be breaking up uh, Robbie and, and Jared. I think they, they have, there's a lovely. They, they complement each other beautifully. Um, I think I've been. I'm a huge fan of Jared as a player. Full stop. It doesn't matter whether it's 15 or 13. I think he's he's still better at 15, but he's unbelievably effective at 13. And that and that lovely skip past to Zebo that set up essentially yeah. that Murray tackle that not, had, had the knock on effect to the try and 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 the and the you know the winning try essentially uh, was he had a big part to play in that um, but I guess the calls to break up that midfield partnership it probably had nothing to do with how they had performed as a pair it had more to do with the full back position yeah. and when Rob Carney produces that performance suddenly that question is just buried mm. and there's actually no element of debate when it comes to whether Gary Ringrose can get into this team it's sad in one way but it's a it's a good position to be in in that you've got someone who's written off in Carney, a former Lion, suddenly looking like he's back to his best and this rock-solid midfield partnership that now you just feel you can't break up. But we just have to wait now and Gary Ringrose has to wait. It can't be easy for him. Gary's 21. Yeah, it's, it's, but like, you want it now. Doesn't every yeah, 21-year-old want it now? No, he, absolutely. And he should. If he if he doesn't, you know, he shouldn't be there. Of course he does. And I thought he should have been captain before on the summer tour. But now he's going to have to bide his time because you have to take your opportunity. He's been given a first cap, albeit in in um, in a lesser game. But at the same time, that your first cap means a huge amount to you. And it's nice to get you know to get going on your international career. Uh, and there's a, every likelihood that he could be on the bench again mm. uh, next week. That's the bench he needs to target, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think that's that's really where he's you know where he has to be aiming for at the moment because realistically, unless there's some injuries, there's going to be no changes. Definitely yeah. in that back line anyway. Yeah, so Keith Earls, who I'd say was pretty close to being first choice, now is like... That's... You know, I, I feel for those guys. As much, as much I was envious as a player, I'm two and a half years gone, I had lots of goes at it. Yeah. And I couldn't manage it. But I was still envious of them, but, but it was probably the first game that I was truly ecstatic as a fan. Beforehand, you're, when you're connected to the team, it's a really strange thing. I've talked to lots of ex-internationals about it. You can't enjoy it like a regular fan. You need a period of time to separate yourself from it, to then almost reassert yourself as an Irish fan, just like everyone else. But yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's um, it's just an incredibly um, exciting opportunity. Uh, here, um, Jack O'Donoghue, right? You uh, scout players for a living, at Berners. Yeah. Talk to us about this guy. Is he on your radar? Ah, uh, listen, I, I, I wouldn't be able to praise, praise him away from Munster, but in terms of a of a promising young back row, I think he he's outstanding. I think, in fairness to, to Anthony Foley, he was the one who kind of gave him um, gave him the opportunity and threw him in there last year when it probably would have been easier to to go with someone more experienced. But the opportunities he had last year have uh, have helped form him and, and finish him as a player. But um, he's very exciting. He's, a re- he's not a real athlete, you know, who just works for for eighty minutes. But he has that. I suppose fifth gear, which uh, makes a difference between being a, a really good pro player, or, uh, Guinness Four Twelve of the Champions Cup, and being an international player. And I think that we're stocked in terms of the quality we have. And Jamie's still playing phenomenally well, and you have Stander, who's obviously probably better at ace. But Jack O'Donoghue, um, I could see him getting a lot of caps in, a, in an area that we're, we're well stocked. I, I really like him. He's got enough height as well to be a um, 
and a lot of athleticism be a really good line option, which is becoming more and more important um, across all all the all positions in your back row. But no, he's he's exciting, very exciting. What? So is he an out and out eight? Is that where he's going to be for the rest of his career? No, I think I, I think as an eight, he's he's a quite he's so quick off the back of the scrum. He's not explosive like um, uh, like like standard, but um, he just has good footwork. He's got good speed. I, I personally think he'd be an eight once he once he puts on um, you know a couple more kilos, um, but it's good for him to get a to get experience as he has done it on the flank for Munster because you know he, he improves his tackle technique, his work at the breakdown is is pretty detailed, and um, yeah, he's probably one of those guys who's going to be um, able to play all three positions. But I think long term, you know, when four or five years time, I think he's going to probably be a, be an eight. Uh, so Sean O'Brien and Peter Mahoney are two of the first names that anybody ever would have written down on an Irish team sheet and all of a sudden you're like well actually lads you weren't there when we just beat the All Blacks so how do they get back into the team? Well, one of them definitely gets back in uh, because of Jordy Murphy um, and both of them have a big game does Josh van der Fleer lose out? I, I don't see how um, my, my sense is that one or other of them so that they potentially could both be fighting for, um, for, for a bench spot um, and you have to look at the explosive nature of Shawnee and his ball carrying. You know, Pete's probably more of a starter than yeah. he is a bench player. He's still incredibly effective. Um but I, I don't know, it's you know, it'll be it'll be a bit of a yeah, a shoot off between the two of them. Is there part of you as a coach where you go, <clears throat> I'm gonna drop Stander for O'Mahony and put Stander on the bench just so he always hits that level again and there's like this constant pressure that both of them have. And I and I don't name a starter. You're both starters, lads. And it's always going to be that way. Technically, Kenny uh, did that in the um, yeah. in the Grand Slam games with Leamy and 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 Jamie Heaslip. Kind of, he felt as though it was after Scotland where yeah. he said, "I don't want to wait to lose to drop you know drop people." And I think that was just getting in people's heads. <laughs> and really, like you know, strings came in, and you know, Rory Best was dropped for Flower the other way around, and then I can't remember that the other uh, the other one, but. Um, I, I don't see that. What, what? Why do that? Plus, as well, Cedric Sanders, our best ball carrier, when Sean O'Brien isn't around, yeah. and, and possibly even when Sean O'Brien is around. So you've got to have them against the All Blacks. So if, Sean, if Sean had a big, if Sean had a big game, sorry, Brian, if Sean had a big game, you could nearly see him. I agree that he would be a good impact player. Between of, of the two of them, he'd be a better impact player than Peter. Uh, but if he had a massive game this weekend, you know, you could start. Sean, Jamie and CJ and then bring Josh on who you know is going to make you know, 14, 15 tackles in 20 minutes which has a different profile than uh, than the other three. Um, it would be unbelievably harsh but uh, there's two ways to look at an impact player. You can have a look at a, a guy who's just going to come on and have unbelievable activity which I think Van der Flyer would or you can have a guy who could actually make the difference in terms of um, giving you that physical presence uh, on the other side of the ball with the ball um, it's not going to be an easy call. It's going to be incredibly harsh on whoever whoever misses out. Particularly if Sean or, or if, if Sean or Peter, as you probably think, one of them won't even be in the twenty twenty three. Yeah, and and on that, Kino was the one that said earlier on the week last week that mm-hmm. they were surprised to see O'Brien left out, and he obviously didn't know that he was just still coming back into fitness. So they are aware of him. He's played Lions. You know, he played very well against him in that game in thirteen. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like if he does play well this weekend, he's he's, he's Ireland's starting seven. Yeah, you know if he if everyone's fit, you know if you look at pecking order and and ability and everything that goes with that, I think Sean O'Brien is your number one, um, and your strongest back row then is him, Stander and and Jamie. 
Right. To make, sorry, does it make it very difficult, though, all these brand new combinations? Some of them desperately trying to maybe do things that they might not ordinarily do because they're almost in a fi- in a situation where they have to be a bolter to get into the match day squad for the All Blacks game. The that maybe it's a little unfair on the likes of Kieran Marmy and Paddy Jackson, the the guys who are playing accommodations they've never had a part in before. If they think that guys like O'Brien or Mahoney are just out for themselves to try and turn out this unbelievably impactful individual performance. Um yeah, but I, I think if you look at those two people that you named and there'll be others too like Paddy Jackson knows he's not playing next week um, Kieran Marmion knows he's not playing so they're still playing Paddy's playing to get back on the bench Kieran's playing to stay on the bench um, so lads know they're remit too they know how much Conor Murray is better than, than, than Marmion and how much he, further he is in the pecking order that's the reality of it um, some players are naive to it but many players aren't and they, they understand the situation and sometimes the coach lets you know as well that you're number one to, not, uh, number two mm. Joe not so much he keeps everyone guessing yeah. but players know you know you're not, they're, not fool, they're, not, they're no fools yeah. Bernard we let you go great stuff thanks a million thanks guys take it easy it's uh, Bernard Jackman giving us some thoughts there just on that whole uh, Joe kind of lets keep, keep people guessing the bit where he told Rob Carney before kickoff need a big one from you today Sunshine I was like well that's really interesting yeah, I've never heard him say that before yeah. I've never heard any player tell us he's done that yeah, it's, it's, it's ballsy because you know, some, I think you, you're understanding the personality a guy that's done it for him an awful lot of times played an awful lot of caps yeah. you say it to some guy that's got three or four <laughs> mentally a bit fragile at the moment your confidence audience. very very low yeah it is but he was it's, only saying what we were all saying like Rob Carney needed a big performance because we felt there was an awful lot of pressure in his position. I, of course, he might respect it a little bit more from Joe Schmidt than us, though. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly a little, yes. But, but it just shows that maybe sometimes Joe Schmidt sees the world the same way that people who've no expertise in the area might see the world. Everybody felt, and Rob clearly as well, the way he's talked about the game subsequent to it, he knew he was under pressure. And he needed a big performance. Yeah, Joe I, was just I, telling I even, him the reality of the situation. I even think that Joe... Um, probably wasn't expecting that big a performance I think he would have taken something a little bit less than that but he got the performance of a lifetime he also got a huge performance from him three years ago uh, in against the in the losing game, yeah. So that serves as a reminder as to what happened against the previous opposition last time and like if you put those two games back to back the last two times we played them we're right there like, and that was a team that won every game that year. And this is a team that has set the record for the most wins against Tier 1 Nations. <clears throat> if we, if you know, we're really good at rugby now. <laughs> like we are. Oh, we don't do middle ground in this country. <laughs> we're literally top of the pile or bottom of the barrel. Um, I love it. Um, yeah, no, we are good. We should enjoy There's no the, doubt. No, we will. the bottom and, of the barrel bits are shit. We I realise and I'm all for enjoying it, but... <laughs> I'm just thinking about other radio shows in New Zealand listening to us now <laughs> and thinking we're, we've lost our mind. But, well, Bernard was talking about how it, the nor, everything around the Northern Hemisphere looks so much better now after seeing what England did to Australia during the summer. Now, notwithstanding the fact that Wales were just a, abysmal last weekend against the Australians. We've gone and beaten the South Africans and the All Blacks. You go into the Six Nations then and you just feel much better about the Six Nations. Mm. I remember last season thinking, well, what does it really matter? And the Six Nations team didn't make the semi-finals of the World Cup. We all went down and toured and we were all beaten in the previous uh, summer tours. Six Nations is just second tier mm. rugby. Now you go into 2017 and you're thinking, well, it's not actually. We're amongst the best teams in the world now competing in this competition. And it's great playing Six Nations, but for us, and Joe said it, the more times we play against the Southern Hemisphere teams, and that's why Argentina have gotten better, because they're mm. playing them you yeah. know, 
eight times a year. Well, Whereas we need to play them lots and lots and lots. Shouldn't we try and make the thing in Chicago an annual fixture? Like, <laughs> I'd for, be up for it. For all sorts of I don't reasons. know if my wife would be. But. <laughs> all right, on that note, we're going to leave it there. Brian, great stuff. Thanks very much. Cheers. All our rugby coverage is with thanks to Vodafone, official sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Remember, you can get all the latest Irish rugby news and win exclusive tickets from Vodafone by texting rugby to 50220. Uh, up next, we're going to bring you some of our best stuff from during the week. And uh, after that, we've got Friday Night Racing with Don, so stick with us. Off the Ball with BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team.